yesterday we looked at Acts chapter 18 a little bit. I love the book of Acts. Uh, just a great blessing to look at it from all different angles and from our experiences in life. And it's exciting to see how that God used Paul and Silas and Timothy to share the gospel in other areas and the responses that they would get. And I want to back up to Acts chapter 17. This is really, really good. And and like to go on, if you will, a preaching trip with Paul. The Apostle Paul went to three different locations on this preaching trip. And it's interesting that as Paul makes these journeys and goes on this preaching trip, that um, he's blessed many times to have either Timothy or Silas or someone that's with him on these preaching trips. And I think that one of the reasons that God blesses uh, Paul and others in being able to travel around and, and uh, share the gospel with other folks is that if one person gets down or one person gets discouraged, oftentimes if there's two together, the other one can encourage along. And certainly that's a great blessing. The Apostle Paul is going on a preaching trip here, and he goes, first of all, to Thessalonica. And I'm not going to read all the chapter, but I want to get down especially to the latter part of this uh, chapter. It's a great chapter right here. But everywhere that he goes, he brings pretty well the same message. He may, he may put emphasis on different areas, but he preaches the same message of Jesus Christ. And he considers the, the group that he's speaking to, the group that he's discussing with, the group that he's interacting with. But ultimately, his messages point toward Jesus Christ. And our messages today, the messages that Brother Steve brings forth, that I bring forth, that Brother Chuck brings forth, it should point you toward Jesus Christ. If that is not the focal point of our message, if the focal point is not God Almighty, His sovereignty, and Jesus Christ, then we're missing the mark. And in almost every case where Paul was going to preach to people that had not embraced the message of Christ or even the view of God, he almost in every case experiences oftentimes the same response. And we shouldn't be surprised when we share the message of Jesus Christ or about God or his sovereignty and we see some of the same responses. Now, my pastor, Brother George Johnson, is with the Lord right now. I'm thankful for the time that God blessed me to know him and the blessing he was in my life. But he said, I expect that when Paul would go on a preaching trip and go into a city, he would do something different than what we would do. I expect that when Paul would go on a preaching trip, one of the first places he would go was to the jail. Because he knew that he'd probably end up there for preaching the gospel. Because as he would preach the gospel, folks abhorred the message that he would bring in such a way that oftentimes he ended up in jail or in prison. But it was amazing how that God could do some mighty things even in jail or in prison. While he was there, I'm not, uh, I hope you don't end up there, but if you do, it'd be real good to do some of the same things that, that Paul did. He sang and he prayed while he was in jail. And he saw some mighty things that happened while he was there. Well, here it starts out and says that Paul went to Thessalonica and he would go to the synagogue. He would go to where people would uh, at least have some concept maybe of God or of worship. Even though maybe they didn't embrace Jesus Christ 
or uh, Jesus Christ being the Son of God, or Jesus Christ uh, paying the price for our sins. But he would go to areas where folks were, quote, religious, to religious folks. And he would go and, and he went to, uh, it says that he reasoned. That's, that's a good way to describe it. Um, that he took the scriptures, he took God's word, and he reasoned with folks. It says he opened and he said, he alleged that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach to you, that he is the Christ. And Paul would go to the Old Testament examples in Isaiah and in Genesis, and he would show how that Christ was prophesied and how that it, it made sense to reason that Christ was the Son of God and that Jesus Christ was come in the flesh and it was God in the flesh. And he would go and reason with them, but not many, some believed. Now, it says in verse 4, And some of them believed, and some consorted with Paul and with Silas, and of the devout uh, Greeks, a great multitude, and of chief women, not a few. But it says, the, the Jews, by and large, the Jews, which believed not, were moved with envy, and they took upon them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. Now, that's just somebody that, that uh, they just got too much time on their hands. That's somebody that, that probably doesn't have a job. Uh, if they do, they're, they're, they're not at the workplace. It's somebody that, that just has time to get into other people's business. It's somebody that can complain about just about everything that's going on around them. Complain about family. Complain about the government. Complain about the country that you live in. That they're just filled with complaint. And it says that the Jews, when they heard this message of Jesus Christ, that uh, they abhorred it. And so they went out and they gathered up, it says, lewd fellows. That means they were kind of, uh, they weren't godly folks. It said lewd fellows of the baser sort. Just kind of halfway worthless. And it says they gathered these folks up together and they had a modern day protest. So if you want to know where protests started, if you want to know where riots started, you can travel all the way back to Paul's experience with the folks at Thessalonica. And you can see that there were Lewd fellows, I didn't say it, uh, Paul did. Lewd fellows of the baser sort. They didn't have much to do. And so they went out and they got them all stirred up. Folks like to have a mission, even if it's not right. They like to have a cause, even if it's not right, even if it's not godly. And here they gathered together some folks and it says that, that, they, that they provoked them on. It says they, they gathered the company together, together and they got, then they went around and they got the whole city in an uproar. I mean, you can 
turn on television and see that that happens in the day in which we live. In fact, in some of the cases when these folks are worked up and they're protesting, and sometimes they don't even know what they're protesting against, and, 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 and it's my understanding that some of these folks that are doing it, that they've even been paid to do it. Maybe these folks were paid in some type of fashion right here. But their purpose was to go around and get everybody else worked up against the message that Jesus, that Paul was proclaiming right here about Jesus Christ. And it says they, they got all the folks in an uproar. And it says, then they went to the house of Jason. Now, who was Jason? Jason was a good old brother that had welcomed some folks into his home. He had welcomed Paul into his home. He had welcomed Timothy into his home. And he was showing hospitality to these folks that were preaching the gospel. It'd, like, it'd be about like Brother Mark inviting Andrew Huffman to stay in his home. And folks in Bel Air getting worked up over the message that Elder Huffman was preaching. And they want to they kick Elder Huffman out of town. And so they get so worked up that they go over to Brother Mark's house. And when they can't find Elder Huffman, then they apprehend Brother Mark. That's what happened right here. And so they go over to the home of Jason. And it says that they were moved with indignation. And when they found that Paul wasn't there, when they found that these preach brethren weren't there, it says that they accused these preach brethren with the message that they were proclaiming. He says, uh, these, these men and the message that they're bringing, they have turned the world upside down. Now, I tell you, it'd be wonderful if the message that we were preaching, Brother Steve, had such an impact like that, that it was turning the world upside down. Now, I don't believe that they were actually turning the world upside down, but in this little group of folks that they were living in, in their little world, they were turning their world upside down. And it says that, it goes on down, and it says, Jason uh, hath received, and these do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, there is another king, and his name is Jesus. And it says, they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. It, it, it might be that when somebody basically posted a bond or, or, or they got out on good behavior that they, that they let them go. And it says, the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night. That while these folks were rioting, while these protests were going on, that Paul and Silas went out by night. And they went to Berea. Now, it describes Berea. Now, I want to get on down to uh, Athens here in just a minute. But it says that the folks in Berea, as you go down, it says these folks that they went to. And this was a good, a good description of the folks at Berea. That when Paul and Silas and they went to Berea, it says they noted that the people in Berea, it just simply says that, that they were more noble than those folks at Thessalonica. Why does it say they're more noble? It says these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word. They received the word with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily to whither those things are so. It says that the folks at Berea, basically it says that the people in Berea read the Bible. 
the people in Berea read the scriptures. The people in Berea, when they heard the word proclaimed, they rejoiced in the word. He comes on down and it says, uh, they, it says, immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to see, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they conducted Paul and brought him unto Athens. And receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, and they departed. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, it says that his spirit was stirred in him. Did you know that that's exactly how that God works today? Within the individuals that bring the message of God's amazing grace. God's ministers are stirred. If they're stirred at all, it's by God. In fact, I think it's Jeremiah that God gave a message to. And it was described in the bones of Jeremiah that it was like a fire that was shut up in his bones. And Paul, it says right here, was stirred in spirit. He was stirred in spirit in, in, in a couple of ways. Paul was stirred in spirit when he went to this area of Athens and he recognized the need for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was stirred in spirit because God had stirred him with that message. And this zeal that he had of, of this message that was built up on the inside, Paul was looking for an opportunity to deliver that message. Did you know that's the ones that God calls to preach? Mount Carmel doesn't make preachers. It's not a preacher-making factory. There is not one around. Mount Carmel has been blessed, abundantly blessed, to have uh, young men come through Mount Carmel that, that you were able to witness and recognize the gift that God had given the minister to proclaim the gospel. Brother Mike Stewart, Brother Andrew Huffman, uh, Brother Andy White, Brother Asa Mosley, we had the blessing of Brother Mark Huffman and Brother Justin Huffman. And these young men that came here and, and, and they began to use the gift that God had given them. And we were the blessing. Uh, we were the beneficiaries of the blessing of the gift that God gave them. But Mount Carmel doesn't make preachers. Mount Carmel recognizes the gifts that God gives other folks. Paul was stirred. Within, When Paul saw this city, he was stirred by the idolatry that was in the city. And Paul was stirred because God had given him a message that he felt like would help those folks in that condition. Now look at what it says. It says that... Uh, Therefore disputed, in verse 17, disputed he in the synagogue. We'll start with verse 16 again. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. And it says, and when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Now, Athens was a, uh, a seat of education. 
It would be like having Princeton and Harvard and Yale and some of the top universities, maybe Johns Hopkins, maybe University of Maryland, but it was where the top universities were and people that lived there experienced these extreme high levels of education. And people that did not live there, that traveled there, went there to advance their education. Look at what it says. It says there were, from our perspective, there were some smart folks that were there. It says, then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, encountered Paul in, as he would deliver this message. It'd be like going to Princeton. Be like going to Harvard and presenting the message of Jesus Christ. You're in a setting with folks that have tremendous amounts of knowledge, tremendous amounts of insight. In fact, as they describe as they describe the folks here at Athens, when they heard the message. Not all of them, but some of them didn't really embrace what Paul was saying. Did you know that, that when we deliver the message, that we shouldn't be surprised that it's not embraced by everybody? We've been told by folks that uh, the directors that run the Hepsbah House in New York City, a Christian boarding home, they said the, um, the percentage of Christians in New York City is up from 1% to 2%. And I don't know if that's exactly right. Only God knows the heart. And I'm thankful that he's in charge of the heart. I tend to think it's larger than that based on my experience of folks that we've met. A uh, young lady that we've known at... Um, uh, on, on Saturday mornings, we meet as a group at the TikTok Diner. And a young lady there named Maria, she said, I was trying to get off and come to church today because she said, I just wanted to thank the Lord because she said, the Lord has blessed in my life. And she told the story. She said, my daughter was eight years old and she had uh, an appendicitis attack and her appendix bursted. And she said, the poison went throughout her body. She was in uh, the hospital for a week. She got out of the hospital. She went home, had to go back into the hospital. And it was, it was a pretty dark situation. But she says, you know, I prayed to God. And she said, they began to do CAT scans and x-rays. And they said, the infection is gone. And she said, my daughter said, Mom, God answered our prayers. Now, that's some of the folks that we met with. Brother Justice asked, where do you park your car? We parked about a block away in an open-air parking lot. There's a fellow named George, and he sees us get out. George with a J. Uh, up there in New York, they spell it with a J. I grew up in Texas. It's with a G, but it's George with a J. And he'll come up, and he'll say, would you pray for my family? Would you pray for me? I have a tendency to believe that not only in New York, 
but in St. Louis and in Chicago and in other areas of the country. That it fits the description that the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 18 about the folks at Corinth. Corinth had a lot of problems. But the Lord said to Paul, I've got much people in this city. I tend to believe that that doesn't mean that he just means there's 8 million people. I believe that it means that I have much people in this city that I've touched their heart. They may not understand all the five points of the doctrines of grace, but they know God. And in some cases, they know his son, Jesus Christ, because it's written in their heart. Paul said, the Lord said to Paul, I've got much people in this city. Well, not all believed, but some embraced it. Some of the folks, when Paul was proclaiming the message, this is what they said. They said, what will this babbler say? I've been greeted a lot of different ways, but I've never had anybody say that to me yet about the message. Some said, what will this babbler say? They said, he's setting forth unto us strange gods. He's setting forth unto us something that we've never heard before because he's preaching Jesus. And to us, that's a strange God. And then others said, they took him and brought him unto, um, uh, I can't pronounce this gentleman's name, but it says that uh, saying, may we know what this new, this new doctrine and whereof thou speakest it. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears that we would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians... And strangers, that meant those that went there for higher education, for all the folks that were there, it says the Athenians and the strangers were there, and they spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear of some new thing. Now, I expect they probably hadn't read Ecclesiastes. Because we're taught by one of the wisest men that ever lived, a principle that we were taught that there's not anything that's new under the sun. And yet their position was, I want to hear a new thing. The message that Brother Steve, Brother Chuck, and myself proclaim is not a new message to you. It's an age-old message, and it's been proven and tried through the years. In fact, we're taught in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, that we're to seek and to ask for what? The old paths. Wherein, it says, is the good way and then he says when you seek and you ask for the old paths and you find the old paths he goes on down to say and walk therein means don't just admire it don't just view it from a distance but embrace it and say you know what that's for me it is well these folks didn't immediately 
many of them embrace this message about Jesus Christ. It says, Paul was stirred in the spirit. You know something that I think is worthy for us to note about Paul. I think it's really worthy to note about his experience. That even though Paul would go out and he would preach a message about God and about Jesus Christ. And it wasn't embraced and folks didn't come up afterwards and give him the right hand of fellowship. Did you know that that didn't discourage Paul? Satan has a way of discouraging ministers. And you might think, well, maybe I didn't deliver it in the right frame of mind. Maybe I wasn't in the right spirit. Maybe my mannerisms were not correct. Maybe my vocabulary was not correct. Maybe I was off base. The Apostle Paul did not get discouraged in his ministry. The Apostle Paul looked at every opportunity as a great blessing and that he desired to spend and be spent in speaking about the Lord and about Jesus Christ, no matter what had just happened to him right before. No matter what, it, what he had experienced on the last preaching trip, maybe he ended up in jail for preaching the gospel, but that didn't discourage the Apostle Paul. Paul was just as excited and encouraged to speak the name of Jesus Christ when he had the opportunity. Did you know that that ought to be our lot as well? We shouldn't allow past, past discouragements or past experiences to hinder us in speaking in the name of the Lord. So Paul, it says, as we, as we try to go alongside Paul in this preaching trip, it says that when Paul saw the whole city given to idolatry, it says that his spirit was stirred within him. And it says that Paul stood, Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. I love this next declaration. This is basically, this is basically the sermon of the Apostle Paul. If we had the opportunity to go to Harvard and have an audience right there, I expect that this message would be the same message that the Apostle Paul proclaimed back then. It may be received the same way as well. It says, Paul says, for I passed by and I beheld your devotions. I saw as I, as I passed by, I beheld your devotions and I saw all of the idol gods that you worship. Maybe they worship the sun. Maybe they worship the stars. Maybe they worship the moon. Maybe they worship the earth. I, 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 I witnessed a little bit of this uh, years ago when we had a church meeting up in uh, Kingston, New York. Elder Compton was with me, and uh, Brother Eric Winchell said, uh, do y'all want to go through Woodstock uh, uh, on the way to this church meeting? And you've heard of Woodstock. I mean, I'm sure that not, I'm not the only one that's heard of Woodstock. Anybody here heard of Woodstock? Okay. Not Sister Kathy. Okay. Um, it was right on the way, and we, 
I'm not sure whether Mark was with us or who was with us, but we went through this area. And, and I'm telling you, I've never in my life felt such an oppression of spirit. Brother Eric said, do y'all want to eat here? I said, I don't think so. It just was a very uncomfortable situation. I remember there was one church, it was a former church building, not a primitive Baptist, but it was a former church building that was a, a massive structure. And out in the front under the big porch with the big columns, they were having tarot card, tarot card reading, you know, where they fortune telling and stuff like that. There was not any resemblance of anything godly or spiritual. Now, maybe we were just on the wrong street, but where we were, it was not a comfortable setting. And I was honestly thankful when we went to another, another, another town. Well, Paul walked through this city and he saw that there was some worship, but they were worshiping idols that they'd built. Now, they were smart folks. So to make sure that they didn't miss a God, to make sure that they'd covered all the gods, they created a God and they put a title on the God and they said, you know what, just so we're not going to, we're going to make sure that we don't miss uh, any bases. They created one God and the name that they put on this God, and it's interesting that uh, if, 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 if we make gods, we have to keep gods up. We have to prop gods up. Here it says they put on the name of this last God. They said, uh, we don't, here's an extra God just in case we've missed a God. And they named this God to the unknown God. I want to tell you, I believe that it does matter who we worship. I believe that there is one God. I believe that he has one son. And I believe his name is Jesus Christ. And I believe he deserves our praise, not part of our praise, not some of our praise, but he deserves all of our praise. And he's not going to share his glory with a makeshift God. Now, Paul said, I walked by and I saw this little God over here and, and, and they couldn't come up with a name for it. So they said, this is to the unknown God. He said, do you know what? If you'll bear with me for just a minute, I want to tell you about this unknown God. You claim that there's another God out there and you don't know his name. There is an unknown God, but I'm going to tell you what his name is. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. And Paul just steps back and proclaims a wonderful message right here about who this unknown God is. Did you know that that's not any different than what ministers attempt to do today is share with folks about this unknown God. They may not know his name. They may not know all of his attributes. Some folks know that there's a God, but they don't know who he is. Now, look at what he says. It says, Paul steps back and he just starts preaching this wonderful message. And he says, I'm going to tell you about this unknown God. He says, for I passed by and I saw this altar 
And I saw the title of it to the unknown God that you ignorantly worship. He says, I'm going to declare him unto you. And then here Paul begins to proclaim. God that made the world. Anybody here wonder about how this world came into existence? We're taught right here that God made it. We can go over to Genesis and we can see where God, who speaks it into existence, makes it and created it. Just going to briefly go through this past 12 o'clock, but I, I, want, you, I want you to take this home with you. And, and, and by the way, write this down because you'd do well to read this as well. Go read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. The last verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is the first verse that I ever spoke on a hundred years ago when I first tried to make an effort to speak in the name of the Lord. It's a great sister chapter to this chapter right here, and, and you'd do well, you'd, you'd enjoy reading it. I'm not going to go there for time's sake. It's a great chapter. Paul says, I'm going to tell you about this unknown God. He made the world and all things therein. Seeing that he is Lord of heaven and Lord of earth, and he dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. He says, seeing that he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and he hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That just simply declares to me that God is in charge. Aren't you thankful that God is in charge? It says that he creates our bounds. He creates our habitations. And we don't go outside those bounds, outside those habitations, because God is in charge. I'm not an absoluter, and, and, and you, Brother Steve says, you know a little bit about me. You know that much about me, that I'm not an absoluter. I don't believe that God winds us up like a clock and that we're a bunch of robots that, that go forth. But I do believe that God is in charge. And I have to tell you, I'm thankful he is. I'm glad I'm not in charge. I'm glad you're not in charge. I love you dearly, but I'm glad you're not in charge. I'm glad that God is in charge. And he says, by the way, I created the earth. You don't like the earth? You go talk to God about it. And he says, by the way, I created all things in the earth. You don't like the things that he's created? You go talk to God about it. The, uh, uh, what was the old brother that, that had an audience with God? Uh, um, Job. Uh, Job didn't like some things that God had created. Job thought, you know what? It, it, I'd like to be able to talk to God about this. I don't like the way that God's doing things. I don't like the way that God is running things. So I think that I might be able to... Uh, Improve on it. And Job says, I, I believe I'd just like to have an audience with God. You don't like how things are going? You go talk to God about it. Job wanted an audience with God. He thought. And all of a sudden, God gave him an audience. And he said, Job, you gird up your loins like a man. And when God, when Job was in the audience of God, all he could do was put his hands over his mouth. And abhor his very thoughts. Who are we to question God? Well, it comes down. Oh, it is, this is so good. I, I love this chapter. Run over to chapter 18 as well. You'll enjoy that. It was really good in New York. I pray it'll be a blessing to you. 
He says, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. And he says, by the way, your own poets have spoken of him. And he says, and we are his offspring for as much as we are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold. That, that's probably the most precious item that we could think about. Don't, he says, don't think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone or graven art by man's device. All of these idols that they've created. He says, God is not, uh, God is not praised with that. He says, and, and, and he says, and by the way, this is how God looks at it. He said, and the times of this ignorance. Now, these were smart men. He says, the times of this ignorance. He said, God winked at it. You think God has a sense of humor? I think he probably does. He says, God winked at it. But he said, now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, Christ, whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance to all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And, 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 and here's their response. Paul proclaims a wonderful message of the, the, the sovereignty of God and how that God is in control, how he's in control of their lives, how he is in control of the world. And it says that when they heard this, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, when they heard of Christ, when they heard of God, the sovereignty of God, it says some mocked him. That's a common response. It says some mocked him. Said some said, we'd like to know a little bit more about it. Curious to know a little bit more about it. We'll hear this matter again. But he said there was a handful. There was a few. In verse 34. There were some certain men. I wonder why it says certain men. It's because those were ones that had been touched by the grace of God. To understand and appreciate the things of God. It says there were certain men. That they went up to Paul and they embraced him. They clave unto him. And it says they believed. It even names some of them right there. It says they clave unto Paul and they believed. If you fall in that group, you're super blessed. The blessing you experience is one of the greatest blessings that you'll experience in this world. If you're blessed to hear that message of Jesus Christ. Of God and his sovereignty. And cleave unto it. And believe it. And embrace it. You're a blessed individual. Paul delivered the same message. To all the folks. Some of them mocked him. Some of them said, well, I'd like to know a little bit more about it. But some embraced it and believed it. And they clave unto it. If it's precious to you, you ought to thank the Lord for it. You ought to thank the Lord and you ought to desire to live your life in such a way that Jesus Christ will be honored and praised.
It's the greatest blessing that you can have on this earth. It says, to whom much is given is much required. I'd say if you've been given the blessing of believing on Jesus Christ, you've been given much. He says, to whom much is given is much required. If he's given us much, we should desire to live in the light that God's given us. Chapter 17 is a great chapter. Chapter 18 is great. 1 Corinthians 1. You'll enjoy all those chapters. They're really, really good. Uh, I pray it's a blessing to you. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 10.30 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.